guys what's going on welcome to the show welcome to wednesday afternoon and another episode of action movie anatomy we are covering today on the show one of the all time action films can you believe it we haven't covered it it's the terminator we're back it's 1984 i'll be back that was horrible let's do the show welcome to popcorn talk featuring movie discussion news and interviews popcorn talk we talk movies and now here's popcorn talks action okay, movie right. anatomy God, I love the music. It's so sweet. Oh, God, I love the music. Of course we're going to have the Terminator theme going, guys. Come on. What's up, everybody in the chat? Glad to have you here on Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Action Movie Anatomy, guys. We talk action movies here, and this is the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related. Action Movie Anatomy. We're going to break down the Terminator for you right now. 90, what, six episodes deep? We haven't covered the Terminator? How the fuck did that happen? I don't know, but... Well, it's because we went T2 first. T2 feels like the more appropriate movie for our show. It's true. This is almost like a horror movie compared to T2. Yeah. It's a thriller. It's almost like a slasher thriller. Who are you, by the way? What? Who are you, by the way? Oh, I'm Ben Bateman. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Uh, this is this is, this is is me, Ben Bateman. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media if you want to follow along in the conversation. I love to talk action movies. You can find this podcast at AMA Podcast on Twitter as well. Yeah, and if you guys follow Ben on Anchor and on his Twitter, he's just recently ranked his top 50 movies, and I looked at the list... It's a great fucking list. I knew, like, I knew that when we had the conversation in the first place about ranking the list, where can the books find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm Andrew Guy. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter and here every Wednesday and Friday. I knew that you would get in on the game, but I knew that when I finished my 50, you'd immediately get jealous and watch your own list of Well, 50. of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because when we started, it was like one of those things like, oh, my God, this is going to be a mountain of work. Yeah. And then we, you get like 10 seconds into it. And you're like, oh, my God, this, 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 one, this one, this one, this yeah. one, this one. And then you have like 70, 80 movies. Yeah. So the fact that you trimmed it down into a, a solid list that you can strongly, yeah. confidently call your 50 is, is really impressive. And it's ranked. It's ranked Which was hard to do. Yeah. Which was hard to do. There's so. movies that did, he didn't, The Godfather didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars 4 and 6 didn't make it, right? Uh, no, 4 and 5. 4 and 5 didn't yeah, make it? Jedi, so Jedi was the only Star Wars that made my list. Anyway, this is a different show about yeah. us talking about Terminator, <laughs> but I just thought that was so interesting. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> it was an exciting list. If you guys want to hear me talk about that, actually, you can go find uh, this new app I'm on called Anchor. It's, uh, it's basically podcast meets Twitter. So it's like Snapchat stories of little audio blurbs that we record into our phones every day. Mm-hmm. You go listen, and then they fall off after 24 hours and every tuesday i'm gonna be doing top 50 tuesday doing a whole show that day 10 minutes dedicated to my movies in order for 50 weeks so starting this week i just shared it on my twitter ben bateman media you can find the link there uh hot rod the andy sandberg film from 2007 is my 50th favorite movie of all time excellent movie excellent Uh, film i really i want to hop in real quick the chat is blowing up which is super exciting everybody's really excited to get talking we're gonna get moving right into the episode um one point though that i think is interesting is that richard jarvie yeah wrote that he uh well first of all we opened to the terminator thing people were very happy yeah. about that but he was saying that this he hasn't watched this movie in years and it's aged quite a bit yeah but it's only made it better so i think that's a super interesting conversation we're gonna get into the trailer here in a minute but yeah. we have a conversation about this movie and how it's aged coming yeah. up we should just clear real quick guys the action movies we cover on this show aside from being made after 1981 which is like an unofficial rule we've never broken but we probably will someday um they adhere to four basic rules one the hero always plays by their own rules well the hero in this movie, I guess, is Michael Bean. Yeah, it's technically Michael Bean. If you want to get super technical, it's John Connor. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and Kyle Reese knows 
Yeah, I mean, he does play by his own rules. For, for sure. sure. For sure, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even go and approach her to protect her until she's almost murdered. So yeah. he's got, yeah, I had to make sure. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Well, they are, really. Kyle Reese and the T-800, mm-hmm. like... He knows everything, but the Terminator knows just as much. He's the only guy that knows how to stop the Terminator, so he's more—he's smarter than all the cops. He's smarter than everyone else, uh, but the Terminator is just as smart. So I think that rule's perfect in this For situation. sure. The two of them are both just the smartest people in the room. Everyone else is in the way. Yeah. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Yeah, definitely. He's, 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 he's like military. He's part of the future militia trying to stop the Terminators. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Hey, really quick, I'm going to cut you off there. It sounds like a lot of people are having trouble hearing us oh, in really? the chat. I don't know if, if that's anything for you, Marissa. I got five or six people talking about how um, they can't hear us at all. Uh, There's no audio feed? I don't know. No, it just says it's really low. There's literally like seven people all in a row talking about how, how it's too quiet. Oh. Marissa? All right, perfect. There perfect. we go. Um, and the, you said the fourth rule was that there's a minimum of one explosion, which there definitely is in this film. Yes, definitely. Cameron loves his explosions. He- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He's like he's the he's the classy Michael Bay in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, that's pretty much how we do the show, guys. We've decided to cover the Terminator finally after long last. Um, how's that, that volume in the chat? People still saying it's, okay? it's better. They're still saying it's too quiet. It's real quiet. Yeah. Um, not sure. Uh, they said it's better now. All right. Oh, awesome. excellent. Awesome. Thank so- you so much for that, guys, and thank you, Marissa, Marissa Serafini, up in the booth. What's up, Marissa? Um, let's cue the trailer for Terminator. This is an 84 trailer, guys. It's an old, old fucking trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell because there's no music. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. Oh, that's a good static. This weapon trailer. will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. Do you know whose voice it that is? It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bogged with. You won't know. It will Something feel Richard Branson, no pity, <laughs> no remorse, <laughs> no pain. Optimus Prime, no voice actor. Oh, is Optimus it? Prime. Nice. It will have What's his name? I do know his name. Uh, I know this. It's, to return uh, to the present and prevent the future. I always this wish this Hugo Weaving. Called <laughs> the Terminator. You're dead, honey. 80s trailer. Yeah. They just, like, hadn't really figured it out yet. Yeah, they hadn't figured out horror. They, I mean, they hadn't really figured out anything. Yeah, what like, as to what to the sell. Date, 12th, May, Thursday. What year? If this was the 80s, I, like, I would still be probably pretty intrigued. Well, yeah, you'd see, like, the effects I'm and stuff would be you. interesting. I'm Reese, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It just took a second to get going. Yeah. Why does it want me? Why me? That part's Arnold great. Schwarzenegger yeah. is the Terminator. So there is that one Your moment when he's in that bar in shooting. Hands. Yeah. It was in his hands. Yeah. When he's in the bar shooting the Uzi, he's like, yeah. 
There's like one shot where he looks so ridiculous. It's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. It's almost my fist pump. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Marissa. Uh, so yeah, that's the trailer for Terminator, guys. I mean, trailers really have become an art. And they in '84 yeah. they weren't even they weren't even like to the point yet where they realized they could improve. It, it was literally like. We can advertise the movie by cutting clips together. We'll call it a trailer. We've been doing it for a few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like back then, it was just anything was okay. And nowadays, like, because that's this is obviously one of the best movies ever made, and that trailer's horrible. Yeah. Whereas now you get movies that are god awful with incredible trailers. Yeah, right. And it's 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 kind of a shame that it's taken that turn. Yeah, I think I mean they just they just realized like we can make trailers extremely dramatic. We can use different takes from the movie that aren't even in the movie and use them in the trailer and stuff like that and scenes that don't make the movie it's the trailer has to tell its own story it has to inspire you in its own way now and that wasn't the case back in the day yeah um yeah the the actor who plays optimus prime whose name i like i know i know his name it's driving me crazy because yeah i feel like i marissa's on it someone's got to be on it this is like one of those trivia things oh god i would lose in schmodown right now and i I should know this because this is i like i'm obsessed oh transformers the animated movie is not on my top 50 I just realized. Is that going to be in there? Oh, how did I not do that? <laughs> got to redo the whole thing. Does that mean man. that Hot Rod gets bumped? <clears throat> I don't know. It's too late. You already started. So oh, you got to bump no. something else. That's really, that's brutal. <clears throat> All right. Well, while they look that up, let's let's move on to the next part of the show here, <laughs> which is our bold <laughs> thesis statement. What did you say? Peter Cullen. Peter, yes. That's exactly right. Peter Cullen. Yeah. That's, the, that's the guy who does the voice in the Terminator. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, guys, let's move into thesis statement. This is the part of the show. We share a bold statement, a bold thought. It should be almost like rooted in hyperbole. The best this, the greatest this, the worst this, the only this should never be this is my favorite something uh and uh it's kind of a thought that we defend throughout the film so i really like yours i thought this was great yeah i want you to go first though okay mine's gonna segue into a, another conversation I think. okay great yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so i'm gonna go first by saying starting with this film no actor's career has been more benefited by his work with one director hmm. than michael bean and i say that because many of the other actors that worked as muses with their directors were just great actors and they had really like vibrant careers you know like i mean you meant you know right de niro. so like you got de niro with scorsese you got leo with scorsese you've got uh denzel with tony scott yeah guys that really work a lot with one director even like even some actors who have worked or actresses that have worked with woody allen a bunch of times like mm-hmm. diane keaton's worked with woody allen a bunch diane keaton had a vibrant career she did tons of work with tons of different people for decades if you really look at michael bean's career his earliest hit was 1984 with the terminator he was in the fan in 1981 the original the fan right right the one that was remade with de niro but really in 1984 he makes the terminator in 1986 he's like he's also like this is the other thought that i was having he's not the hero in any of the movies that he stars in yeah even though he stars in the hero role it's weird like in the terminator you know, he said to uh, one stat I pulled was that Schwarzenegger said to Cameron, "Hey, I'd like to play the Kyle Reese role, not the Terminator." Right. And Cameron said, "No, no, this is a movie about the Terminator, not about Kyle Reese. It's not about yes. the hero. It's about the Terminator." So that's why Schwarzenegger plays the Terminator. You know, even though Kyle Reese is the is the hero male lead, he's not really the hero of the movie. Yeah, for sure. And that's like what we were talking about in the beginning. Is it does he doesn't feel like the it, there's something he doesn't have like that hero characteristic i don't know what it's what's missing exactly same thing in 86 with aliens he's definitely like the hero character he's yeah. like the badass dude that as a kid you had the action figure you wanted to be hicks but it's ripley's movie it's yeah. sigourney weaver's the hero of that movie or it's the alien it's one of it's her versus the alien and even even in the abyss which i have not seen for a long time again it's not a movie that you say michael bean's the reason that movie's good exactly and it's just really interesting that like his career, he ended up being in, you know, really three other super relevant movies, Navy SEALs being sort of the odd man out. Right. But Tombstone and The Rock, both favorites of ours, and he has great characters in both. 
And in both situations, it's the same thing. It's not about Johnny Ringo. It's, and it's not about yeah. Commander Anderson. No, it's but but he's great in all those movies. So I would say no actor's career has ever been benefited more by his work with one director than Michael Bean working with James Cameron. I mean, I would agree. I, th- I honestly think the only person that you can argue with that is Arnold, and that's just because of T1. Yeah, um, true. I d- you know, I completely agree because there's something about Michael Bean and, and someone that was placed in a leading man role in so many movies that are literally classics, timeless, unforgettable, and you're not like, he just didn't, he never moved to that second tier that we always talk about, that upper tier of being yeah. a real leading man movie star, because back then, there were movie stars. He could have and should have been one. He was like really set up to be that guy. Yeah. And relative to a lot of guys, he had a phenomenal career. Like, oh, absolutely. Phenomenal. Like He's super recognizable. Like When, when we talked to him last summer, it was like... So awesome! It was yeah. So exciting! It was an for amazing us. interview. Yeah, and it was just—I mean, it was like the number of times I've watched you on screen in these movies is mind blowing to me. So it's not to say that he's not a superstar; he is. It's right, just that, but I mean, when you were looking up his list of movies, the last thing that he'd done that was relevant was The Rock. Yeah, it's like it if was you like actually a good you, film. You go look past '96, and it's like this weird spiraling career of like odd films here and there, where he's got like kind of a relevant role and kind. He's you know he's in this movie, he's in that movie, and most of them you're like, oh, that movie existed. I forgot that that movie existed. Right. You know, I, in, in the last, like, six years, he was in that movie Take Me Home Tonight. Right, right, right. That's the, uh... That's, the like... comedy? Yeah, or with, like, Topher Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, wow, like, that's a... That, that's a weird the one. the only one I've heard of. You know, he played, uh... Oh, you know what movie he's in? This hmm. is another reason we have to do it on the show? The Art of War. Oh, I love The Art of War. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah he is. He, he's, he's in he's, The Art of War. Yeah, absolutely. It's Robert Bly. Uh, another role, or someone that was Paxton and Cameron, that's completely true. Yeah. That's, that's another one, but it's like uh, Paxton was never a lead in a Cameron movie. Yeah, and know? also Paxton was able to have a lot of success in Without a lot him. of other movies that weren't just Cameron movies. Like, in fact, most of his roles in Cameron movies, aside from Aliens, were kind of irrelevant. Like, yeah. he's great in True Lies, and he's great in Aliens, but... A lot of his most famous work is in other stuff. Other directors Absolutely. used him. So my thesis, and it, it, it's definitely very close to yours. Sorry, there's just so much going on here. I cannot give that order. Yes, yeah. we know. We look. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my my thesis is um, is that this is the most important film that the four lead people made, and that's Hamilton, Arnold, Bean, and Cameron. Wow, you think this is the most important movie Cameron ever made? I think this is the most important film any of them made. Uh, I think it goes... Without saying for all three, for the three of them, I yep. think you just argued the bean point. Hamilton, I, you know, uh, she's great. She didn't have much of a career past the first two Terminator movies. Yeah. I mean, she did, but like, those are the movies. You yeah. Know? Arnold would have never had the same chance that he did. I mean, I know he'd done both the Conan movies. Yeah. And, and maybe if there's someone that was born in like the 60s or yeah. 70s that is in the chat that knows and was alive and watching movies and in the theaters at the time. But when Conan, for me, The Barbarian and Destroyer, those aren't movies that I tie to Arnold Schwarzenegger when I grew up as a kid. It was he was the Terminator. They were they're silly movies, and I think there's been a bit of revisionist history. Of people going back and remembering those movies as though they more were more fondly. Yeah, like they're like they're campy and they're great now because Schwarzenegger is Schwarzenegger. But if he doesn't make the Terminator, he's just like he's just like some action star in the '80s. And sure, he had the Olympia titles, but. I don't know that his career blows up the way that it blows up without Terminator. Absolutely. And even the people in the chat here, uh, our fans are talking about how it's the most perfect role for Arnold. Ever, and it yeah. was. It really was. Because what it did is it, it, it literally used all of his advantages. I mean, excuse me. It used all of his strengths and weaknesses to their advantage. Yeah. Can't speak English perfect. Give him like 13 words in the whole movie. Yeah. And, and make him super lines, robotic. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, he's fucking gigantic? Yeah. Let's make him an unkillable robot. 
this was the movie when you put Arnold, it was like, okay, all right, everyone loves him now. Cameron knew can, how invaluable Schwarzenegger was to this. Totally. To the point that his his uh, schedule shooting Conan the Destroyer had him nine months past the time they wanted to start shooting this movie. And mm-hmm. Cameron was like, the movie isn't, I can't make it without Schwarzenegger, so I'll wait. Right. And in the nine months waiting, he started working on another writing project, which subsequently became Aliens. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and it might be in here, uh, was this the movie that... No, no, no. Cameron wrote a first short that he used while being a truck driver, right? That was the first... Yeah, he, he made... this is his second directed film. He, yeah. he had directed the sequel to Piranha. Piranha 2... Was the one... And that was what he used the money from becoming a truck driver. There's a to... short before Piranha. Right. That's um, what I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, my point is, is that James Cameron had done the short, and he'd done Piranha 2, and then he'd done Terminator, and then he does Aliens in the Abyss. Yeah. And he does Terminator for $6.4 million, I think is what it is we have written down here. Yeah, $6.4 million. When someone takes these people you've basically never heard of, yeah. all of them, yep. and he puts them in a movie for $6.4 million, and it becomes the one of the greatest movies ever made, that gives you the freedom to make The Abyss and make Aliens and then make Titanic and then make Avatar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, obviously Titanic and Avatar have made billions of dollars. Yeah. They would have never, ever happened had he not made Terminator. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The, the, the comeback with Titanic is really interesting. We can talk about that. Um, but the only one that I would argue in there, mm-hmm. I agree that this is the most important movie Cameron ever made. I agree that because it, this is the one that springboarded him. Um, and I would agree... For sure on Bean and definitely Schwarzenegger. The only one, and the rule would be fought against just because she would never have been in the sequel had she not been in the first one. Right. But Hamilton is so kind of irrelevant in this movie, mm-hmm. but she's so iconic and awesome in the second movie. Yeah. She's like she's like borderline Oscar worthy in the second movie. Absolutely she is. I mean, Cameron was fighting for her to win an Oscar. Yeah, that that's the only one I would argue there. And, and the point gets broken down just in the sense that like... She would never have been in the sequel, obviously. Right. But I do think that when you think about all the other people, it's like I can tie Kyle Reese, his role in Terminator 1, it is still the most important thing he ever did. I mean, yeah. Hicks is more memorable, but, like, so you're, what he's you're the saying, hero of the movie. So, like, she's not really that special in this movie. Yeah. She's really special in the second movie. So that's the only one where I would say maybe that's the more important movie for her. Right. But it, it, I think you yeah. already answered the question by saying it's like she wouldn't have been in it if she weren't in this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can sort of use that argument for like, so it's the same thing we talked about Danny Boyle with train spotting. Right. Versus 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. He never makes 28 Days Later if not for train spotting. For sure. Even though I think 28 Days Later is the more important. And that made me think real quick, like with Arnold in this role, yeah. this is like the Arnold role. This is his career defining role. No matter what Arnold does, yeah, this is the one. Sure. He's the Terminator. What other actors or actresses have there been in history where they did something, right. one movie, and you were like, holy shit, who the, are you? The that put you on the map. Like, Catherine Zeta-Jones and The Mask of Zorro yeah. is classic. Like that, My mom reminded me of that because yeah. she fell in love with her. She thought she yeah. was the most beautiful woman in the world, and she'd never heard of her before that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think others, I mean, there's a lot. I think, I think this is what it is for me. So you have... Actors or actresses that have a breakthrough, uh-huh. but the real definitive thing here is like, did they have a career after the breakthrough and the few years after? Yes. Because take like Robert Pattinson, for instance, his breakthrough would be like that Harry Potter movie. And then Twilight is, is that's the one we'd talk about, but he hasn't really had a career after that. No. So like you, it's sort of, it's sort of interesting to talk about, but mm-hmm. it's also kind of like, no one really cares about Robert Pattinson versus like, I'll t- give you a good one. Kira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's fantastic. That's Orlando sh- Bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, both of those are yeah. huge. I mean, Kira Knightley, I fell in, in love, love with yeah. Kira Knightley in high school when that movie yeah. came out. 
I was like, who is this? And she, so did everyone. She became yeah. the it girl, and she had to a two Oscar nods in the next five, six years. I mean, The Notebook was the same thing for both those people, for Gosling and McAdams. Yeah. Even though Gosling had been in other movies like Remember the Titans, and he'd done yeah. things when he was younger, that was the movie when you saw it, and you were like, oh my God. Which is funny, because it's actually probably Mean Girls for Rachel McAdams. Yeah, big time, yeah. It's her role. Huge, um, huge. But then you go to other big ones that we talked about before the show, uh, Travolta. Yeah, Travolta, this is, I, I had this conversation with someone the other day, and the guy's in the chat or wait, wait what does he say again i changed the word yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was having this conversation with someone okay so the two iconic male breakouts in the 70s the guys that were like here you know basically heroes for the rest of their career mm. and essentially came out of nowhere would be travolta in saturday night fever and harrison ford as han solo in star wars which is funny because someone just said here it's han solo i mean it's harrison ford as indiana jones yeah but solo's first but solo's first exactly. so what i would say is those two guys both had two movies within a few years of each other right you have han solo in 77 and you have raiders of the lost ark i think in 78 or 79 right and then the same with travolta you've got you have saturday night fever in 75 and you have greece in 78 in both cases th- those like you can't really you can't script a star rising any more than those those two movies by those two guys at that time. No. That's as big as it's ever been. Travolta became... And not only was Travolta's... The reason that I say Travolta's is so relevant in a way that I think Ford's is, but it's not quite on the same level. Mm-hmm. Travolta was a fucking dancer. Yeah, he was a nobody. He came out and was like, not only, not only am I super, super sexy, not only am I like the super leading man... But I'm dancing. But I can dance. And every woman in the world was like... Loves a man that can dance. That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy. I'm in love with that guy. I want that guy to do horrible things to me. And like, so Travolta, I think he might be the all-time rise to stardom out of nowhere guy. Because like, he just exploded in a way that you you just can't make up. Yeah. Um, But yeah... Go ahead. I'm going to just go through a few here. We got Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. Stallone yep. is Rocky. Connery yep. is Goldfing- er, in Goldfinger. Yep. Willis, Die Hard. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, Brandon Lee the Crow. Brandon Lee the Crow. Brandon Lee the Crow. We get it, man. <laughs> we get that you guys want us to do the Crow. We'll yep. do it. I promise. Anthony Hopkins, Sounds of the Lambs. Um, yeah. Another one to throw in there is Vigo yeah. in uh, Lord of the Rings. And I had this conversation with you arguing this because there's, there's an interesting point you can take on this where you're like, if they had a career of like notable roles before the breakout, yeah. does it was, count? Vigo had a good career, big time. Yeah, yeah, he had been in Carlito's Way is a very famous one. That Crimson was Crimson Tide. Movie. Crimson Tide. He was in uh, Daylight with with uh, yeah. Stallone. Like these are big movies. He was he was a notable character in a bunch of major releases. But that was the time when you saw him, you realized for the first time, really, you're like, who is that? Like they catch your eye a little differently. You yeah. know, and he—it's because he developed that movie star charisma. I think before he was just filling roles. The only trilogy that has three movies on my top fifty is Lord of the Rings. I all three of them. All three. Of course, they have to be. They're they're, they're, they're all high. They're all like in the top twenty. I think. I yeah. like when I was making the list. I was like, the, "There's the movies aren't higher than these for me." I was like, "I want to bump these down so it's not just." But I was like, "There's just no you way." Just can't. I mean, no matter what, no matter how I try to argue, it changed. No matter how much time goes by. Fuck Peter Jackson. That's another arguable point for yeah, our thing. That's agreed. something to get into. Um, all right, so that that's a fun little thing we were just uh, riffing on. Another one, uh, couple that popped in my head were like Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, th- this is something that I just want to talk to people about. Uh, not to slight over Rebecca Ferguson and MI5. Yeah. She was incredible. Unbelievable. You and I had this conversation numerous times about Tom Hardy in Inception, Dark Knight, and Bronson. Yeah. Right. I strongly believe yeah. that Tom Hardy's breakthrough role was in Inception as Eames because when I watched that movie, I was like, who is this guy? He was, he was just like something magnetic about him. And, and everybody knows that Tom Hardy's probably my favorite actor. It's like him and Gosling right yeah, now. Right. Um, so I'm biased. But for other people, that didn't happen. It was just like, that guy's cool. 
Oh, well. Yeah, this is what I would say. So when we had Anthony and Gavin on here talking about Warrior, you know, Anthony was like, look, everybody says that they saw Bronson. Fucking no one saw Bronson. He's like, no one had seen that movie. Everybody claimed right. they had seen I'd it I'd seen it, but I didn't really, I, I didn't like. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah, and even Warrior you saw in theaters. I didn't see Warrior in theaters. And I saw it in theaters because of Inception. Yeah, so so really, Inception was the movie that I saw Hardy in for the first time. It was the first time I had ever seen him on screen. And I probably, I've seen Black Hawk Down, so like, I, I think I had seen the Star Trek movie that he was in also. I think it's Insurrection, maybe. Yeah. But, like, I didn't know that was Tom Hardy. I didn't care or pay any attention. So when I saw Tom Hardy in Inception, like, that was a huge movie. That was, like, that was massive. Like, Inception is very high on my 50, and, like, that's a movie everyone saw. It made a ton of money. It did really well. Everyone loved it. And it was Nolan on top of the world. Yeah, it was, yeah. like, Nolan making his first post-Dark Knight movie that everybody was like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, he made the Dark Knight, this incredible movie. Now Inception's almost better. And Tom Hardy's got, like, a very, very, very relevant role in that movie. Yeah. So, but what I would say is that I don't think I walked out of Inception thinking, thinking like, it was really Tom Hardy that stole the show. I think I was thinking that was a really well-cast movie. Yeah. And I, I didn't really know about that Tom Hardy guy. And then when he was in Dark Knight, or in uh, Dark Knight Rises, it was like, Oh, that's the dude from Inception. Right. And you said, we really fell in love with his voice. Yeah, because it's a hard argument when you say you, somebody could have a breakout role in terms of the visibility, like um, like J-Law in Winter's Bone, yeah. which she got an Oscar nod for. But, like, no one really saw Winter's Bone. Right. It's the same as Alicia Vikander in uh, the other, or no, what's it called? The Danish Girl? Yeah, I right. didn't really watch that, but she won an Academy Award for it. Yes, right. But I, it's like, it's all about, you can have the breakout role for, like, the awards nomination or, like, you know, the, the critical acclaim, but it really comes down to... The movie that everyone sees is the breakout role. It's the same as Schwarzenegger. Right. Schwarzenegger was a known quantity, but everybody saw Terminator, so that mattered. And it's like, if you go and look at, you know, with, with Jennifer Lawrence, it's like, the argument is probably that X-Men First Class is her breakout role. Yeah. Probably. That's interesting. More than The Hunger Games. But maybe yeah. it's The Hunger Games because everybody saw The Hunger Games. Yeah. You know? And she's had a massive career since then. All right, so really quickly, if you guys are in the chat, there's like 40 of you in there, which is awesome. Just throw in what you guys, what your first like Tom Hardy moment was. Inception, Bronson, Dark Knight Rises, whatever it may be. Just Warrior. let us know. Warrior. Um, there's one other thing. Oh, someone talked about Keanu. It's tough because Keanu as Neo is too, it's too tough because of Bill and Ted and Point Break already happened. He had already had a massive career. It's, it's too big. Speed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Now that we're 40 minutes into the show, let's move on to uh, our star profiles, Well, right? no, we did have one interesting point to bring up here. It was What's about that? James Cameron. Oh, right. This is huge. Yes, yeah, so this, this is a really, huge so, point. So, guys, if you're, if you're listening, if you're watching, f- yeah, you, <laughs> you know that we absolutely fucking love James Cameron. We are huge fans. You also know we love coming up with arbitrary rules to support our claims to make this show awesome. And I will say this. Andrew and I are working on a super secret project. It's a super secret project, but it has to do with fist pumps. Yes, and if you have been following me on Anchor, you know that I have a show called Fist Pump Film Club. It should give you some sense of where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, Andrew and I are writing a rule book. Okay? Yes, and we've studied at Fist Pump Film School, majoring in action adventure for two years. For two years. We know it better than anyone out there. And we've decided one of the rules that's going to be in the guidebook and you guys may have plenty of other rules supported by our thesis statements over the last two years. And we have plenty of rules, too. <laughs> uh, one of our rules is James Cameron is the most timeless director of all time. Of all time. And this is a rule. This isn't a thought. This isn't a thesis. Yeah. This is a rule. And if you guys have any arguing points to this, please bring them on. We understand we might not be able to address all of them right now. But think about it. Who are other directors that we put in that category? Uh 
first people that popped into mind were like, you know, Kubrick, were Spielberg, Spielberg, were Nora Ephron. If you're looking at like '90s and 2000s rom coms and things like that, big uh, shout 80s. out to Marissa Serafini. Yeah, thank you for that, Marissa. Um, and, and you've got Peter Jackson. Yeah, the idea being that when you watch the films years later, how do the films hold up? How does the identity of the film, as it relates to that director's style, hold up? And does it feel like you're watching a movie from another time? Uh, when I go watch an old Kubrick movie, some of them hold up. Others, like Clockwork Orange, is very hard to watch, yeah. I find. Um, with Cameron, he's he's he has the distinct disadvantage in terms of his movies aging in the sense that they're sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, he picks the hardest genre to age. And he's innovating technology usually when he makes a movie to make the movie. I mean, he has a storied history of creating technology for his movies. However, going back to watch his movies, you go out and watch Alien today. That movie looks better than half the movies that are coming out today. Yeah. And it was made 31 years ago. In the beginning of Aliens in the ship, yeah. it's still like you go and obviously you can feel that it's aged just a little bit. Just a little. Everything ages. Even yeah. things that you watched five years ago aged a little bit. But it's still so great. In the beginning of Terminator, when they're doing the flashback with the, the robots and the monsters and the da 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 you can tell it's aged a little bit, but it's still better than a lot of things that are on the sci-fi channel now or low-budget films that come out. This movie was made for $6 million 35 years 35 ago. 35 years ago for $6 million and, and with four nobodies, essentially. Yeah. And you go back, you watch The Abyss. You watch Terminator. You watch... Aliens, True and lies. then you go back. And True Lies. Titanic. You watch Titanic. You watch even Avatar. Now, Avatar is still one of the most visually stimulating movies you'll ever watch. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the thing. I think is the argument there is that like, first off, look at his movies. Look at the look at the careers of the directors you'd put in this conversation to be the most timeless directors. Mm-hmm. Most of them. Let, let's list off some of the Spielberg movies. Just just some of the the duds that he's made in his career. I've got a list of like ten here that you list. So let's start with ones that aren't duds but have aged poorly, like E. T. and yeah. Hook. Yeah, Hook is aged definitely poorly. Always, 1941, Amistad. 1941, yeah. Uh, and then you get into movies that haven't really aged yet, but they just were kind of misses. The Terminal, BFG, War Horse, Bridge of Spies, Lincoln. Like, even though these movies are critically... And and, yeah, and Lincoln is like, ridiculous for us to say that it's a miss, but, like, no one gave a fuck. I, Daniel Day-Lewis is my... It, like, I have favorite actors. I respect him more than any other He's actor the out greatest there. Actor I the have world. not watched Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln is like Lincoln is the movie that in five ten years no one's gonna remember that movie existed. It's it's just it's just a it's a weird thing. Some movies matter. Other movies come out and get nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. And like even his movies from the last twenty years that had Oscar nominations, movies like Amistad, movies like Munich, Bridge of Spies. These are movies that as we go further and further away, they're just they're not remembered. You talk about any movie that Cameron made in his entire career, probably the low point in terms mm-hmm. of perception is either The Abyss or Avatar. Because those are the two movies that people don't like. But, like, The Abyss is a cult classic to the nines. Like, people love The Abyss. There's no question people love The Abyss. And you talk about Avatar. Avatar is the highest grossing movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way it you're going to forget you that. You can't argue anything when the numbers. And then, so you, and you go back and you go, I'll be back. Come with me if you want to live. I'm flying, I'm flying. You know, you've got uh, Game Over, man, Game Over. These are movies that have been quoted for 35, 25, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, Spielberg's a close second, I would say, but I think on our list, no question, invariably, James Cameron is the most timeless director of all time in the rule book, Fist Bump Film Club, rule book. Boom. Done. That is a rule. If you want to argue it, if you want to come up with subclasses, you better have a damn good argument. And you can find us on Twitter at AMA Podcast to share your points <laughs> if you want to get in on the conversation. All right, guys, we're going to move into this movie a little bit. We, what, we're almost an hour into the show. Hey, man, this, this is what we do. 
So, number one, Schwarzenegger. We discussed this a little bit. Conan the Destroyer, Conan the Barbarian, The Scavenger Hunt in 1979. Those were the three films prior to the release of this. Schwarzenegger was a seven-time Mr. Olympia champion. Uh, interestingly enough, in 1975, the film Pumping Iron came out, which is the documentary about his final run. Uh, I believe, actually, the film came out in 77. That movie is so good. And 75 was his last run. And, yeah, it's phenomenal. I love that movie. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, the world knew who he was, but they knew who he was in the way that they know who like, I don't know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson was in like 1999. Like he was like a, he was famous, yeah. but he wasn't like really famous. No yet. one knew his name was Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. He was, a, he was, he was a wrestler. The rock. Yeah. He was a, he was that guy that if you followed wrestling, you knew, and he was in some movies. Same with Schwarzenegger. He was Mr. Olympia. He had, he had been in some movies, but like he wasn't an actor. He wasn't like a household name yet. No. The Terminator made him. People were just fascinated by him. Yes. Yeah. So then on the other side, you have Linda Hamilton, The Children of the Corn being, I think, the the big notable movie she had been in prior to this. Tag, The Assassination Game in 82, and The Stone Boy in 84. Really, there's not much to say about Linda Hamilton aside from the fact that she ended up marrying and divorcing Cameron later on. Right. Um, But she's. Both of them really were sort of. Schwarzenegger was much bigger. He was the star. But Linda Hamilton was effectively a nobody when they made this movie. Yeah. And then, and like, we were going to do a three a three people thing but it really was the same argument for all of them is that they all weren't really doing anything so Linda, ha- Linda Hamilton had done Tag yep. the assassination game a couple TV movies and shows and then she did Children of the Corn which yep. is the only one that I really recognize in 84 and then she did The Stone Boy also in 1984 and then she did this yeah and then she did Terminator 2 yeah so it's pretty I mean you could you could tag this as a has a breakout role for her, except that she just didn't do much as an actress. She didn't really break out, unfortunately, which doesn't make any sense. Because like people talking in the chat were talking about how hot she was at the time. Wasn't she? She in was the, super eighties hot. Wasn't she in the TV show in the mid eighties, Beauty and the Beast? Wasn't that? Yeah, I think so. And that's like a that was a big hit, I think. Right? Yeah, but still a yeah. big hit relative to T one and T two. Yeah. Um. Someone just said Tarantino. I don't know if we want to get into that conversation now, but his body of work is just half that. Yeah, the only Cameron's. the only issue with Tarantino just b- before we just it's that it's extremely stylized, yeah. extremely stylized, and it's great, but it was ripped off and parodied so much in terms of its specific style. It's much more like Wes Anderson, where at a certain point the gimmick just turned people off. There's and no also, gimmick to Cameron's movies. Yeah, and you also got to remember timelessness also goes well along with palatability. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there that won't watch Tarantino movies because of this, the content, the subject yeah. matter. Yeah, the subject matter. It's just like the amount of pop culture references that are eventually going to have aged. Like yeah. there's so much of that in his writing that it's hard to take that. It's it's hard to call that timeless. Um, so moving on to the people who made the film, yep. we mentioned Cameron. Uh, we've talked about him on here a bunch of different times. Um, Cameron. I mean, it's hard to really say much that hasn't been said. You know, he worked as a truck driver, made that short, worked with Roger Corman, kind of learned the ropes, and continued just like, continued just like, hey, you should do this, you should try this, try, you know, putting lights under this piece of foil, or like, you know, do it like this, shoot it like this, and just constantly innovating, a a real visionary. He, I mean, if you go back to even just the most recent thing, he brought us what we know as 3D movies now. Avatar was the first practical 3D. The whole thing was shot on 3D cameras that we'd ever seen, and now that's just become the norm. Yeah. Um, and then you want to move on to, like, Gail Ann Hurd. She's, she was married to Cameron. She's the one of the biggest female producers in all of Hollywood. Yeah. Walking Dead, you know, like uh, T2, Aliens, Armageddon. Um, 
it goes on and on and on with her. Yeah, they both worked with Roger Corman in the 80s, and that's where they met. They, they wrote this together as well as with William H. Wisher Jr., who's the third writer on this. Um, Wisher actually, when I was looking at the credits, I was thinking like, oh, Wisher's going to be one of those guys who's credited as like story credits or something like that. But he actually ended up working with uh, Cameron, who's a close friend of his on T1, on T2, Judge Dredd, The 13th Warrior, The Exorcist prequel. He has uncredited rewrites as a script doctor on Die Hard with a Vengeance and Live Free or Die Hard. So okay. a very successful writer. He, he was he was uh, punched in for additional dialogue on this movie. Um, that's pretty much his story. So Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, let's move on past production development then into um, critical and box office reception. <clears throat> Do we want it? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that afterwards. So this was uh, the studio was Orion Pictures. It only cost six point four million dollars to make. It's not often we see two digits with a decimal in between them. Yeah. Uh, opened October twenty sixth of nineteen eighty four. It grossed thirty eight million domestic, forty worldwide for an addition or for a total of seventy eight million dollars. So over ten times its budget. It was number one at four million dollars. Um, critically, it's eight and uh, this is our highest reviewed movie i think ever on the show yeah t2 maybe it's old so it's one of those issues where like the hundred percent on the critics and all critics is like there's not very many reviews yeah it's like six or eight of each of them and then the audience critics so it's a hundred percent by all critics 100 percent by top critics which like i said six critics eight critics and then 80 89 percent by the audience and up here we've got the box office graphic I pulled the unadjusted the all-time Cameron graphic just i mean if you go by adjustment some of these are a little tough because like the 519 million by T2 in 1991 obviously 2777 millions yeah but it's, he's made over 6 billion dollars with his movies and that's nine movies yeah <laughs> that's nine movies two and, of which and, two of which are documentaries by the way and there's another reason <laughs> why we call him the most timeless director it's cuz he didn't do what Spielberg did and oversaturate himself he didn't make he didn't have the opportunity to fail as much because he didn't try as much. Now, let's talk you know? in 10 years when he's made five more Avatar movies. Exactly. This could be, I mean, and then the rule might change. I mean, because he is working on <laughs> five more, which could, there's no way it's going to be a good thing. I don't know how, like, I don't know where his, where his fascination with making, like, the world of Avatar, it seems crazy to me. Yeah, I, I really don't understand why he thinks it needs to be made into, like, uh, the roots of 2019. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, a, it's... Effectively, we don't need a ten DVD case. Effectively, know? Disney buying Lucasfilm and being like, "We're going to make a ton more Star Wars movies," is like, okay, good or bad, that makes a lot of sense because yeah. they're going to make a ton of money, and there's a hunger for the content. Everybody wants that. So even if the Han Solo movie's not good, and, and Episode Nine, like, even if by the time those are coming out, it's just like, all right, I'm tired of the Boba Fett movie. Doesn't matter. People will see them. They'll still go watch it. I don't know a single person who wants to see Avatar 2. Me neither. I don't know. Or 3, or 4, or 5. And why, what is it, how long has it been since the first one came out? Uh, 2009, I think. Yeah. It's been eight years almost. Yeah, I mean, also on top of that, it's like the whole Lucasfilm thing is like, we're going to make a Star Wars land, a Disneyland, like we're going to build into a global, a global brand for this generation. Right. I think he wants Avatar to do the same thing. It's not going to happen. Who is Sam Worthington? Yeah, no one cares about Sam Worthington. You got to do like a Fast and the Furious move and just just inject. You got to yeah, put like gotta, Char- Charlize and Hardy in yes, there. You got exactly. Um, okay, so what? Uh, so that really quickly. So what are your favorite time travel movies? Just real quick, like top three uh, time travel movies. <laughs> well, I have some interesting ones. Deja vu, here. deja vu, <laughs> deja vu. <laughs> I think most of you know that uh, Edge of Tomorrow would be on the list for me. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. You know, basically basically science fiction Groundhog's Day. Exactly. Which um, is also another great time travel movie. Yeah. This was the second film we ever covered on the show uh, and with Roxy Stryer a long time ago. 
And uh, that is that's the episode. Oh, I can't believe we didn't open the episode this way. I, how did we space? What? We hit 10 million views today. Hey, 10 million. We hit 10 million views on Action Movie Anatomy. A total Holy on the show today. Shit. I like totally spaced. I was planning. I like knew that it was going to happen on the average. Like right. We hit 10 million. Wow. Views today. The show has been watched by 10 million people on YouTube. 10 million people. That is massive. That is incredible. Like, I can't even... You and I started talking about the show while yeah. waiting tables in a restaurant as an idea of something to do yeah. two and a half years ago. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe... It's in the middle of my list. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow is was my... That's like my favorite time travel movie. And that was our second episode ever. And if you want to see me sweat through my shirt, you can also watch that episode. Man, nothing is more true than that. <laughs> that is horrible. 10 million. It's a real thing. Congratulations, man. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, so jumping in with my time travel movie, I'm going to do Back to the Future. One of my favorites growing up. Watched it a lot. I actually haven't seen the movie in over 10 years, but I still love it. Remind me on a point that I want to talk about Back to the Future in just a second. Okay. Um, my number two, I'm going to go with Deja Vu. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Probably not a great film, uh, and I'll agree, Deja Vu... I'll admit Deja Vu did not make my top 50 movies. Yes. Did any Tony Scott Denzel collab? I don't think. Do you know what? Interestingly enough, huh. the closest one was Man on Fire. That makes sense. Um, maybe it's in there. I forgot that it's in the, like the high 40s. I don't think so. But I don't think it did. I, I tried to talk myself into any of the five. Right. And I had different I had different arguments for each one, like being like, all right, like Man on Fire could make it for me, or like Deja Vu could make it, Taking of Pelham, Crimson Tide. I, I really right. love all, even Unstoppable, I love all five movies, but... I couldn't justify bumping any of the movies. I get that. Even Hot Rod or Just Friends, like these comedies that are in there, I couldn't bump them for these movies because I've seen those movies so many times. Man on Fire, I bet I could would maybe make my list, but I'm not positive. I love Man on Fire. Yeah. Uh, all right, so my second one is going to be The Fountain. I've talked about this movie a few times. Rachel Weisz, Hugh Jackman, just yeah. awesome. Go yeah. watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, my last one is Terminator 2. I mean, how could it not be on the list? I mean, there's a lot of other great ones in here. Looper, uh, you mentioned, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And... Uh, Obviously, you have like I mean, there's just there's twelve monkeys. There's so many. There's so many good time ones. Time bandits. There's there's a ton of movies. <laughs> time that I love. cop. <laughs> yeah, but Terminator Two for me, I believe Terminator Two is the greatest action movie of all time. Yeah. Um, it is not my favorite action movie of all time. That's a different list. But I believe that Terminator Two is the greatest action movie of all time. And really, ultimately, and this is another this is another thing we talked about with Cameron. But like, this is one of the only examples ever in history where a director comes along and he's like. Okay, you're going to give me this much rope to do what I want to do, and I'll do it as the best I can. Now, yeah. the next time I do the same thing, the sequel, and you give me all of the resources, I'm going to make the you're movie I should have made. Yeah. Because a lot of the stuff in the script yeah. for two was in the script for one. They just couldn't do it. The Cyberline plot with Miles Dyson, that's all in the script for one. They had to change the script because they couldn't afford to do it. Cameron truly is truly a visionary. He was like... Yeah. Hey, get, give me the money, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to make this cheaper movie. And you know that there was, like, running issues with Orion. By, they were not willing to invest money in promoting this. They were like, oh, you have a B-level slasher movie. It'll it'll do fine. Uh, these movies will live in the theaters for two or three weeks. What happened to Orion Pictures? Yeah. <laughs> Schwarzenegger still holds a grudge to this day, reportedly, that they wouldn't put money behind uh, promoting the movie. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, like, everybody just was like, like, they Orion wanted to, the movie to end with the explosion uh, by the dumpster. That's when they wanted to be done. And Cameron was like, fuck you, quote, uh, 
this that's not where my movie ends no and uh yeah there's it's just really interesting we've we've talked about before like these visionary people how much of kind of pricks they can be like yeah, i mean but you gotta be yeah you've got to be i mean like you know our buddy matt haggerty talks about nolan's not a prick yeah but he is always the first person on set always the last person on set and everything is done exactly how he wants it done yeah he's like no that's that's a good idea no we're doing it this way yeah exactly um, that's how you should do it that's how they that's why they're directors i thought this was really funny schwarzenegger's iconic catchphrase i i uh, i'll be back Schwarzenegger thought it should be "I will be back." I will be back um, because he thought it sort of more <laughs> sounded more machine-like with, without the contraction. And uh, Cameron says to him, "Quote: I don't tell you how to act, so don't tell me how to write." And that's yes. and that's how it happened. And like, of course, I will. But be he back. should tell him how to act. Yeah, he's the director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. Um, oh, and then yeah, my number one is uh, is is Looper. Oh, which, I thought you had mentioned it already. I hadn't, no, which is fine. Uh, I think it's funny that we, we people are getting real heated in the chat right now between T1 and T2, and okay. which is the better film. It's never going to be answered on this show. It's Terminator will, 2, will, as far yeah, as I'm Ben concerned. Is, concern, is he thinks it's Terminator 2. I actually like Terminator 2 more as well, but arguing which one is better, I will never, ever step foot in that. Yeah, it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. Um, so the thing I was going to say was this, and this is just, we're just off on tangents, but whatever. Yeah. You guys have watched a lot of episodes, so you know what we 10 like. 10 million tangents. <laughs> uh Frank Darabont directed The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, which I watched for the first time this week, the mm-hmm. movie The Mist, and The Majestic. Those are the four films Frank Darabont, Darabont directed. Yeah. Okay. Now, by all for all accounts, people think of Darabont as one of the all-time directors, largely just because of Shawshank and Green Mile. Uh, people like the other two movies. Only Shawshank. Yeah. People love Green Mile. Yeah, movie. no, I know. Yeah, but really... What's interesting is I always get him mixed up with Robert Zemeckis. Like, in a trivia question recently, I answered Zemeckis to a Darabont question. The reason being there, because Robert Zemeckis directed Forrest Gump in 1994, and Robert Zemeckis also directed Castaway in 2000. Mm -hmm. So there's a Tom Hanks crossover uh, and Zemeckis. So, 94, because Shawshank lost to Pulp Fiction at the Oscars. Like, there's just a crossover there. Right. Robert Zemeckis, unbeknownst to me, like, I would be curious to know. How many Robert Zemeckis movies is, can you name right now? I couldn't name many, but I've seen his name in the beginning of a lot of good movies and a lot of bad movies. Robert Zemeckis is probably the most under-celebrated. Like, I, I hate to say this because I said like there's a movie, similar. there's like a big movie that I've watched recently that's like one of my favorites growing up that he directed because I'm I, I've seen his name a million times. He directed everything yeah the the reason i bring it up is you mentioned back to the future mm-hmm. he directed back to the future one two and three yep he directed flight with denzel beowulf he directed beowulf he directed forrest like, gump forrest gump i just mentioned he directed romancing the stone he directed like his career is ridiculous if you start going through that list there's movies in there just start if you're looking at just throw a few others out where you're like oh yeah uh the walk flight you got castaway which you said who framed roger rabbit framed roger a christmas rabbit. carol romancing the stone death becomes her contact contact what, what? jesus yeah. this guy might be more timeless than cameron <laughs> i think he's made some bad movies he has made a lot of bad movies 13 ghosts house of wax gothica house on haunted hill the reaping okay yeah so he's made a lot of really bad movies and a lot of really good movies yeah um those are, he didn't direct all those, did he? I think he did. I think you're showing like a producer. Oh, I might. I mean, it's just the first thing that popped up on IMD or I mean on uh, Google. Um, but in any case, Zemeckis, I was just blown away looking at the list. I was just like, holy shit! The the career here, the number of movies is blowing my mind. I did not know. I had no idea that Robert Zemeckis was that legendary. All those movies I listed, he directed. Yeah, so yeah. there's some bad ones too. Yeah, Big that's career, crazy. Big career. So, uh, okay, so moving on. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Someone, oh, someone, 
One thing that was nice was that someone had the balls to come in and say that they actually didn't mind T3 Salvation that much, which was good, so we could break up the argument of T1 and T2. Yep. Uh, and we're going to move on to our AMA question of the day, which is from at PrimeShock1, who is David Lunsford. Which movie has been more important to Cameron's career, Aliens or Terminator? I feel like I answered that pretty strongly yep. um, in my thesis. I really think Terminator is the most important thing that's happened, although I like Aliens more. Yeah, yeah, Terminator is the is the most important. I would agree completely. Um, so what we decided to do for today was because we skipped fist bump moment early in the show, we decided we were going to combine it with favorite line and do them mm-hmm. as a as a paired conversation today. Yeah, um, really, just because for so many people, it's hard for I'll be back not to be the fist bump moment. There's a lot of fist bump moments in this movie, but like dividing the two for me when I was thinking about it, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I decided we would just do them back to back, and that way we can alleviate the the possible combination there. Um, so why don't you go ahead and jump in first, guys? If you're watching for the first time or listening for the first time, fist pump moment is that thing that happens. You're watching a movie, something happens, you like look around, you're like, "Are you seeing this right now? This is so fucking awesome. Yeah. We get to watch the rest of this movie. This is so rad. Oh, I love this movie, and this movie has some great ones. Oh, there's tons of them. I mean. It- the whole thing is a fist pump, honestly. I mean, even from the very beginning when Arnold deals with the guys, the punks in the park, yeah. just him being naked is sweet. But uh, Nice night for a walk. <laughs> nice night for a walk. Nice night for a walk. Uh, I think it's when he jumps on the car oh, and yeah. punches through the yeah. glass. I don't know why, but just like watching that and thinking, like, it was this movie was made 35 years, it was just so sweet, so yeah. badass and terrifying. Yes. That's, that was my awesome. fist pump for sure. Um, I think my fist pump moment, it's actually the same, I'm pretty sure, yeah. as my T2 one. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and watch the episode again. Oh, I, I know what it is I then. get the sneaking yeah. suspicion, and I think it's the theme music. This is the alt. For me, this is the all-time, whenever I say in the example of fist pump moment, what it can be. The I always reference it could be the theme music, because for me, Terminator 2, I think, and Terminator 1, it's the theme music. Yeah. The, and what I love so much about the difference between the T1 and the T2 music is, Terminator 2, it's like big, and it's like... Yeah. 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 It's just so good. The Terminator 2 music is awesome. It's the like Terminator a little one, more produced. Yeah, way yeah. more produced because it's much more of an epic movie. <laughs> Terminator 1, though, like the, the music starts and it's like. It's like it's like it's like it's got this like super eighties. It's like a video game almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when and then it like fades for a second. And when the horn first comes in, it's much more like muted and like kind of off key almost. Yeah. It just sounds like you're hitting keys on a keyboard. Yeah. And it's probably exactly what it is, like horns on a keyboard. And yeah, it's that for me. It's when the music comes in. That's what I love so much. I just fucking love the music in Terminator. Um, so that would be that. Um, what about you on favorite line? Thanks, Marissa. Uh, for me on favorite line, well, we got a lot of people here with great uh, great fist pumps talking about uh, in the gun store, Linda Hamilton's hair, when he gets the shades. Um, fuck you, asshole. Yeah, is, fuck uh, you, asshole. Fist pump car driven into cop station. Yep, that's awesome. Yep. Uh, 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 okay, so... And thank you guys again for that. They're, they're like, of course you guys get 10 million views. You guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, we love you guys. So I think mine, that whole exchange in the car where yeah. he's kind of telling her what's going on, uh, there's like a bunch of great lines that go on there. Um, she's like, are you saying it's from the future? And he's like, I'm saying it's from one possible future. I yeah. just think that's a cool line. And then uh, when she bites him, he's like, cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Uh, and then he goes, it doesn't feel pity or pain or remorse, and it won't like it won't stop until you're yeah. dead, that whole long thing. You and I kept leaning over to each other and be like, God, being such a stud. Yeah. There's something about his 
you a hundred percent believe that he is a guy sent back yeah. in time to save the future that is ending. The Even world is ending. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't yeah. matter. There's something about his delivery. Everything he says, it has to be done now, yeah. Sarah. And it's just like I, I just love it. Yeah. It's and awesome. so that whole exchange in the car is amazing. Yeah, I think some of the strongest moments in this movie are it's his exposition when he's explaining what's going on Mm -hmm. because it takes a little while. Like I I do think that this movie starts and it's cool, but I think it gets, I think it gets better once he starts explaining what's going on. Um, You're kind of in the dark for a little while. Yeah, and I love I love when she's asking what what the Terminator is, and I I wish I had the exact line written in front of me because it's a little bit longer, but it's it's something that's like. The first models were rubber skin. We oh, spotted, spotted them easy. Yeah. You know, but these ones are different. He starts explaining, and you're like, this is terrifying. Like, skin, bleeds, bad breath, everything. Yeah, and when he's explaining all that, because... And then, like, the, the, the few scenes they cut to the future, it's just, like, it's the coolest version of... They don't even go... They don't even reference Skynet in this movie, I don't think. I think that's later. I think right. it's the second movie. But, like, the whole idea of machines that are, that, that are adaptive... And like they they adapt and they and they learn and they be you know what I mean like the idea that the machines would try to cover themselves in rubber yeah and it wouldn't work and the humans would be smart enough to spot that so then they started doing it with the skin yeah and, it's just yeah. it's so cool and so fucking terrifying it really is it's yeah. like legitimately scary and and uh, that's one thing that we haven't talked about yet today is a lot of people have talked about um, the uh, the eye scene yeah and in. That is the thing that's aged the most poorly on the whole movie is yeah. the, the actual mask. The puppet they The made. puppet. Yeah. Um, but that scene is horrifying. And yeah. it was so scary as a kid. Uh what was Earl Bone? Is that the captain, the police captain? Who who is Earl Bone, guys? You guys are talking about him in the chat and saying that he's like one big fist pump, and I'm not even everyone says he's funny as hell, just a stereotypical sleazeball psychiatrist. Oh, 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 oh the oh. psychiatrist. You're talking about Dr. Silberman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. The fact that Dr. He's Silberman excellent. came back in the second movie too is, is great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great He call. is great. Yeah, oh he of course he is. Just as easily just as easily could have been Paxton. But Paxton wasn't old enough. If, it, if this movie had yeah. been ninety four, it would have been Paxton. Should have been Paxton. Yeah. Uh okay, so um that's our favorite line. So moving on. Do you want to do like a quick just talk about a recast real quick? Yeah, well we sort of had the conversation a little bit here about um recasting Schwarzenegger modern days is tough. Early on we tried it's to do like it a impossible. few times and yeah. we just Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the only person. It's just because of physical stature. It is interesting if you go back and read some of the reports about the casting on this movie. Was it like, the guy that plays like the Viking on Game of Thrones though or whatever? Isn't there like a giant on that? Are you talking about Oh, oh. Uh there's well, like there's, a gigantic dude on Game of Thrones. Are you talking about Jason Momoa who plays Khal Drogo who's going to be Aquaman? No. Uh, is that the only is that the only guy? There's not like a gigantic white guy on there. Uh, I mean, there's a couple really big dudes in that show, but like not guys that you'd be like that could be an action star. Okay. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely <laughs> news break. I don't watch Game of Thrones. There's definitely <laughs> heroes that exist that you could cast in movies. But I thought what was really interesting is going back to to the beginning of the casting on this movie. You know, Cameron had a pretty strong idea once they settled on Schwarzenegger. That was who he needed to make the movie. Yeah. But there was other guys. Like for instance, Mel Gibson turned down the role of the Terminator simply feeling he wasn't right for the part. After seeing the film, he praised Schwarzenegger as a much better choice. One of the major uh, influences for this movie, for the techno noir style that uh, Cameron wanted to make, was Road Warrior. He loved the Road Warrior. He thought it was so cool, and he wanted to make a movie inspired by that. So I think he he loved Gibson for that reason, mm. and. One thing that I thought was like super duper interesting was I can't really imagine the Terminator being anything other than like a giant dude. Like right. in the second movie it's a novel concept that that Jason or Robert Patrick is the T one thousand. The mountain. 
Yeah, he's huge, but yeah, but, but he couldn't do it. He's huge, but he's just not. He's just not a good actor or whatever. Well, he's a good actor. He's just like a giant man. Right. He's more burly than he is like menacing. Okay, gotcha. Um. So, but uh, he's very menacing. But he's just not like chiseled. But like for instance, like okay, Michael Fassbender we love, and Fassbender yeah. plays a robot in the Prometheus film, and fastbender is terrifying and he's intense and like fastbender could be a robot in a movie like a killer robot for sure no question but he's like this little guy yeah so it's a totally different feeling yeah yeah that's it's easy you can't you can't recast arnold so if you do that it's you you really have to cast like a different tone a different feel um but as far as kyle reese and sarah connor go linda hamilton and michael bean who would we cast for just those two if this movie was to be made today so what are we thinking like mid-30s well, Sarah Connor is supposed to be 18 in this movie. Right. Linda Hamilton is supposed to be 18 years old. <laughs> so definitely not. No. And, I mean, you could change the, the age, I guess, but for the purpose of the sequel and everything. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Emily Blunt, because I love Emily Blunt, and I could definitely see her playing oh, that role. Oh, you know well. who I see is um, uh, <laughs> Alicia, Alicia Vikander. <laughs> uh, it's, um, Jesus Christ, I'm, not, I'm, I'm so annoyed I can't remember her name. It's the girl from... It's not Amelia Clark. It's the other, like, young, pretty, the divergent girl. Oh, oh, Shailene Woodley? Shailene Woodley. I could yeah. see Shailene Woodley as, as Linda Hamilton for sure. Yeah, I like Shailene Woodley. I like that. Um, I saw a movie yesterday. Is it Black Hat? Is that the movie with Liam Ooh, yeah, Hemsworth? With Chris Hemsworth. Is it Chris Hemsworth in that one? The Michael Mann movie. Yeah, what's the one with Liam Hemsworth where it's, like, also a hacking movie? Because I saw him and you know, I don't like Liam Hemsworth. Oh, uh, the one with Gary Oldman and yeah. Harrison Ford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think of what that movie's called. That one. That was one. I don't know if he'd be good. Like Who'd be a good... Deception or something or whatever that movie's yeah, called? Yeah, something like that. What about... Um, cause, so the thing about... So you got to think about the things that make Michael Bean Michael Bean. He's yeah. not quite leading man A charisma. No. He can't be that. He's got to be like slightly off of that. Yeah. But he's still got to be like a, a good guy. So I who, could easily... I could easily... easily and just is, this is just because he could be in everything. But I could see Oscar Isaacs playing him. That would be super solid. You mean me? <laughs> Oscar Isaacs is really intense. Oscar like Isaacs that. could do that. That'd be great. He'd be great. I could see Renner. Renner would be great. Um, Renner, no, that's it. That's Ren- the one. That's the guy. Jeremy Renner's the guy. Because he's got he's got that secondary character. He's like perfect at being the second. He's kind of grizzled a little yeah. bit. He's got like he's not. He's a little. I mean, a rough around the edges. Is the yeah. one I'm looking for. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty great. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Tom Hardy and Alicia Vikander. I'd watch the <laughs> shit out of that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it was, I guess if it was, uh, if it was Jeremy Renner in, Kyle, in the Kyle Reese role, it would have to be someone just a little bit older. I don't than, know that it's necessary. She's eighteen. I mean, I think right. you want her to be younger, but I don't think it's necessary. She's eighteen, so I, I would probably like Blunt makes sense to me, but the chemistry between those two doesn't seem realistic and, and then I, shailene woodley and renner it almost feels like he'd be like her older brother yeah which is kind of weird you need someone to be a little older um called paranoia is that movie who's 411 charlie charlie hunman's 411 i don't believe that uh all right King so that was just a fun thing to talk about so let's move on to uh to our categories yeah right. there's three action movie categories guys there's totally ridiculous totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate movies that are totally legit are like uh, Lone Survivor and the Fugitive. the Fugitive, yeah, they hold together Gladiator. really well. Even Terminator Two, we believe, yeah, um, is totally legit because they're driven by like strong premise. They don't really make you laugh unintentionally. Movies that make you laugh unintentionally like the whole time, but are still great, like Face Off and Con Air. Speed, yeah, Speed. Yeah. Uh, that's like the middle category. Oh yeah, that is the middle category. I but apologize. They really uh, have Demolition to be, Man. Yes, yeah. those are like totally ridiculous. And then ridiculously legitimate is the middle category. A lot of our movies fit into that category, and those are movies that are you do laugh unintentionally here and there, but they're grounded by like a couple really strong factors. Yeah, The Rock. Speed, predator predator yes. yeah and uh and this movie to me 
is totally legit. There's no, I don't laugh unintentionally in this movie really at all. No, I mean, literally the only part of this movie where you're, there's two parts. It's, it's, it's the beginning with the robots in the flashback. And it's when Arnold's like doing his face thing. Like he's pulling and, out his and, eye. And like a lot of the, just like the eighties isms that have. Aged. Oh yeah. We, there was a lot of things we pulled. I wrote down, Ben and I were just like, I mean, we've been drinking a little bit <laughs> and there was just like tab soda Uzi's at the, at the, the store. He's like, he's like now, uh, what's he say? He's like, now the handguns, you can take over the counter. It was the rifles. It's the rifles take... with the handguns. You got to wait a week. So you can take the rifles now, sir. Can I get your ID? Thanks for buying this huge gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like an automatic shotgun, the jacket. I don't know why I wrote jacket. Uh, smoking inside. Yeah. Phone books, cassette players, the perms, the hair. Like people oh, have talked about the hair relentlessly. Was... The color scheme. Was one thing I was saying is like it's funny because this movie was so big and iconic in the eighties. When people say something is so eighties, it's referencing stuff that at the time was like young and innovative and new. Like the colors of like the rifles, for instance, the purple and the green, the neons. That's very. Yeah, that's it's a very eighties color thing. And but at the time, camera was just like that is what what those colors would be. Of not, course, not like. It's just weird when you think about that. That's the stuff that became 80s. Yeah, because now when we get lasers in movies, they're almost like this like clear color. I don't even know yeah. how to describe it. But yeah. back then it was like blues and greens and purples. Yeah, bright neon colors, like uh, gem and the holograms or something. So you're saying that it's completely legit. I, I have to agree. It's totally, it's totally legitimate. The only moments, like I said, are those two. Um, that's it. Yeah. So we only have one category and one category left, and that is called The Pitch. And guys, we are approaching episode 100 quickly. Um, we are just around the corner from that, so uh, we have big news, stuff to announce, but for next week, uh, I, can we can we just level with people on what's going on next week? Because pe- people are like very excited for the pitch. We got a lot of people in chat right now. Um, so we have something that we want to happen. Yes. It feels like it might not, if you want to let them know. Yeah, uh, we, sh- we shouldn't talk about the specifics exactly, but the movie that we might do next week is Heat. We love Heat, and there's yes. a reason specifically we would do it, and we might get to do it. It, it yes. may not happen next week. We're working on we it. We have a special guest, and exactly, we're working on it. And if that happens, fantastic. We can't wait. Heat's one of my ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah. We've talked about it endlessly. The fact that it hasn't been on the show is crazy. Um, I love Heat. I can't wait to talk about it. People have been talking about The Crow for an hour and a half and for 94 episodes. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So maybe we put up a poll if we don't do Heat with The Crow and another film that people have been begging for. Yeah, there's a couple movies in the wings. Um, what's going to happen, guys, the other thing I'm going to level with you guys on is uh, Andrew booked a movie. Hey! He booked the lead in a movie. I did. Thank you. I'm very excited. I think we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when you first found out, and it's super exciting news. Um, he's going to be filming for three weeks straight. And yeah. So in those three weeks, we're getting creative as far as how we're doing it. Um, we will have episodes, but uh, as far as like how we're going to do the episodes, we're sorting that out now. So we have some movies that we might like pre-tape a show that would show on one of those weeks, something yeah. like that. We'll sort that part out. But go and follow us on Twitter at AMA Podcast if you want to have a, have a say in what's going on. We'll likely post the poll by tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. Um, and that will be unless we confirm heat, which would be awesome. Yes. Um, so it'll be that, or it'll be this poll is going to go up. And uh, yeah, guys, we have a couple a couple sweet movies left before we get to a hundred. And uh, last but not least, May second, we are going to be making our second appearance on the Ultimate Movie Trivia Showdown. Yes. The oh, champions are back. We're so excited. We're so excited. We're one zero right now. We've got an amazing match coming up against, against Ken Nerds Watch and Rachel Cushing. The Nerds Watch. They think they're so good. We're going to destroy them. Yeah, we have something really special planned. We. Uh, 
you know, we're we're masters of deception. So we really are. It's going to be a great episode. We cannot wait. And if we end up getting the that. action category, like, oh my god, I, we're just waiting for that to happen. I know we didn't get it in the first one. No. What, what, yeah. Anyway, watch the show May second. Yeah. I hate them. <laughs> we're so excited. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's the other piece of news. And uh, aside from that, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a part of 10 million hits on Action Movie Anatomy. Marissa, big thanks to you. Hand for Marissa. Yep. Marissa, where can people find you, our, our lovely engineer? Uh, everyone can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. Serafini TV. And guys. on Fridays every single week on the Popcorn Talk Network doing... Exactly, Anatomy of a Movie, where they cover more than just action movies. Yeah, it's like the show, except for they cover every single movie that comes out. Um, and if you guys want to find me, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me here on Fridays for the Unproduced Table Reads, and um, hopefully you'll be able to find me in the movie Bloody Eyes in about a year. So excited for that. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Where can we follow you, Oh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I already said it. Okay, awesome. See you guys next week. <laughs> From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.